Hey, Mike, it's that time of year. The most wonderful. Is that it? It's Christmas? The most wonderful time. Believe it or not, it feels like it comes around faster and faster every year. It's membership <laughs> special time here at Relay FM. And you may think to yourself, Mike, but you have so many membership shows. What does this mean? Well, we've been doing this for so many years now, but once a year, a selection of Relay FM shows will publish a bonus episode for all Relay FM members. So no matter what show you support, there is a feed called the Crossover Feed where we have stuff publishing every month. There's different uh, bonus content going up for Relay FM members of all types. But one of the things is once a year, a selection of shows uh, will do some fun uh, traditional things, I think, at this point for most shows. You know, like me and Brad are going to be building a Lego set. Uh, we're going to be doing an RPG crossover for Cortex and Upgrade. And on this very show, we tend to watch movies together and talk about them. Uh, and to continue our newer tradition of them being somewhat racing related, we are going to be watching the movie Rush. When was Rush released? That is an excellent question that it occurred to me I should figure that out. <laughs> 2013. As you were about to ask me, I thought, hmm, he's going to want to know what year this is. And I yep. reached for my keyboard, but you were too fast, my friend. The 2013 movie uh, focusing on the 1970s rivalry between Formula One competitors James Hunt and Nicky Lauda. So mm -hmm. seems pretty fitting. Uh, this movie has a 8.1 on IMDb, which is... A good rating for IMDb, I think. So yeah, yeah. we're going to be watching Rush, and that's going to be uh, available on May 29th is when we're going to be publishing it. So before our next episode. So we're going to be recording and publishing it uh, before, before, before WWDC hits. Mm -hmm. Now, before we get into that, uh, have you? I, we, we talked about this, but I don't remember mm -hmm. what you said. Have you seen Rush? Because I no. have, but it has been several years since I've I seen it. I thought I'd seen Rush. I've seen the trailer for Rush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, is what's actually happened I was Fair thinking enough. of that movie we watched before what was it uh, Ford versus Ferrari oh, 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 oh okay yep. which is excellent if this can be anywhere near as good as Ford versus Ferrari I'll be happy yeah Ford, Ford versus Ferrari is very good I obviously have a soft spot in my heart for Days of Thunder uh, but I, my recollection spoiler alert is that this is good it is not astonishing, but mm. it is good. It's oh, it's by Ron Howard. I forgot about that. The, it will be it. some some good context and history for us Formula yes. One fans, indeed. So yeah, so that'll be publishing on or about the 29th of this month, which is May. And if you would like to support this show or any of the other fine, fine shows at Relay FM, you can go to relay.fm slash membership and you can choose to uh, pick your favorite child. I mean, favorite show, which is mm -hmm. obviously analog or mm -hmm. one of the other good ones, too. Yep. We'll appreciate your support, as we always do. Indeed. Uh, I owe you a non-sarcastic and genuine apology. It completely slipped my mind last month, and I am genuinely annoyed at myself and somewhat embarrassed that it mm. slipped my mind. You and Adina got me a hilarious and excellent birthday gift. Again, no sarcasm, no snark. Um, and I plum forgot to mention it last month. And this is my mea culpa. This is me eating crow. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. I apologize to both you and Adina for not bringing it up. So this is not I need something I needed or wanted, really particularly wanted you to bring up. So you don't no. need to apologize to me. You already thanked me privately. Well, still, I feel like it was such a good idea. It's such a funny idea that you needed you needed accolades that I did not provide to you. And I, and I feel guilty about that. So, uh, so a little bit of context. I don't remember how I stumbled upon this person, but there is a YouTuber slash TikToker slash Instagrammer called Vinny Thomas. Um, he... I believe used to be an English teacher in Arizona. He has since gone independent as the 
kids are want to do these days. Um, but he does a lot of really, really funny um, comparisons and reels about and in TikToks about not only just being a teacher, but he's British. And so he's a British he's in America. He's British, is he? Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I've never really been able to tell. I, how can you not tell from the accent? Because he has two accents. Yeah, fair. He Most does do of the videos good. you send me, he's pretending to be an American person and or pretending to be a British person. And I okay, that's fair. wasn't sure which one was the real one. <laughs> that's fair. Okay, well, I can tell you his American accent is not perfect, but it is very good. It's not his like English Hugh accent good. isn't perfect either. This is the thing. It's like me, right? Because he is that when he's doing these videos, he's putting on a fake British accent, you know, to really accentuate it for, for the, the point of the comedy. Right, right, right. So anyway, so a lot of the videos that he does, like I said, are comparing and contrasting American life and British life, specifically around being a teacher or a student. Um, but just in general, um, lots of comparisons between American and British life. And as we've spoken about innumerable times on this very program, I am just completely and utterly fascinated by this, um, about, you know, the comparisons between our two fine cultures and countries. And so uh, I had known or I had heard at some point or another that he had uh, opened up him a cameo account profile, whatever you want to call it, such that one could pay him a sum of money in order to record a, a personalized video message. And you can already see where this is going. Either Mike or Adina or them as a collective decided my to... Idea. Okay, decided to uh, pay some sum of money to Vinnie Thomas to record a small or short greeting for me for my birthday, which was hilarious and deeply unexpected. There's more to this story, which I don't know how well you've understood this part. I don't know if we did a good job of explaining it. Mm -hmm. So part of the context behind this story is Casey sends me and Adina these reels all the time. It honestly feels like every single guy this time this guy posts anything, Casey will send it to oh, us. Oh no, right? oh no. That's, I, I bet it does feel that way. I don't doubt it feels that way, but it is not at all true. I'm looking now at his his reels on Instagram and he posts a lot. All right, so yes. a lot of the things that, that Casey will send us is like such and such in America versus such and such in Britain. And it's like right, right, making right. fun of both Americans and British people with some particular, I don't know, quirks like, or whatever. Yeah, or like never just some theme to it, right? So I thought it would be funny if uh we did a, got him to do a cameo of happy birthday in America versus happy birthday in Britain. That was what we asked him to do, right? <laughs> right. And he accepted the cameo, right? And then sent a video which is just him saying happy birthday to you. <laughs> but then after we had paid him to do this cameo a couple of days later he posted that exact idea <laughs> as a reel <laughs> right <laughs> which you sent to us <laughs> but yeah you know hey ho that's cameo i suppose that's what happens uh, so you you paid him to make himself more money in other places we paid him uh, and he came up with he then did the thing that we asked for as a second, as a separate thing, uh, uh, but then just wished you a happy birthday, which was probably enough for you, you know. Oh, it was, it was. Mm-hmm. So here it is, I February twenty fifth, birthdays in America versus birthdays in England. <laughs> now I can't confirm, right, that this is how it went down, but it it seemed 
odd. It, you know? It's awfully, it, it is sus, as the mm-hmm. kids would say these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that, I forgot about that. I had completely forgotten about that as well. That makes me laugh quite a lot. And it was a, it was a good reel. It's a good representation of, of his whole shtick. And, um, yeah, I mean, he was never going to put this amount of effort into a cameo. Right? No, no. Uh, certainly not at cameo prices, which are not cheap, by the way, but but not you know enough to justify a completely bespoke thing like what cameos doing, weird to me, man. It is it is very weird. Like I think this was the correct kind of cameo to me. It's like a micro celebrity who you even if they do something embarrassing, like or or if, or if the request is embarrassing, I am not embarrassed by it. You know what I mean? Whereas mm. if you went to I'm trying to think of a good example, like somebody properly famous. Like if you went to to Lando Norris just for the sake of discussion and said, you know, have him wish you a happy birthday, I would want to crawl in a hole and die. Because yeah. that's a lot like, of big, big celebrities donate their cameo money to charity, which I think is mm-hmm. kind of cool. Like yeah, I see yeah, that yeah. a lot. So like mm-hmm. a, you know, like a big mega celebrity will open a cameo account for a week and all the money goes to charity and stuff like I think that kind of stuff's cool. But right. it is, it's just like such an interesting, like, I don't know. Like, it's just a, an interesting thing in general to me of like paying people to give like half-hearted messages. Mm-hmm. I've also seen a thing recently where like I'm getting Instagram ads that are cameos that celebrities have done. So like a company has paid them to oh yes 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 yeah to do Mm -hmm. the thing and it's just like this is terrible yeah i saw one recently it was the the frankie moon is the guy from malcolm in the middle Mm -hmm. i saw him doing a cameo for like some random product and it's just like this makes me really sad yeah especially since you so here you go so frankie muniz or however you pronounce it i apologize on cameo personal use 125 dollars for business, $2,750 or more. So, still uh, not, like, I don't know. I don't know what his deal is, right? But that's not a ton of money for him to just say anything, yeah, right, right, about a company. I don't know. It's weird to yeah. me. Have you seen Cheer? No, I know of it, but I have not no. seen it. But well, I really recommend it. It's an excellent two-season thing on Netflix, but, like, in season two, because all the cheerleaders got famous right from season one mm-hmm. uh they're like there's like a big thing in season two where everyone's they're all just doing cameos all the time <laughs> and like it looks like how i imagine it's like to do these cameos where they're just like wherever and they're just like oh let me just do this one hey happy birthday da, da, da. and then just like the, hey you know like just one after yeah, another yeah, yeah. and uh yeah cheer is great man this isn't recommendations but uh, it's really, really good. It's really, really good. I've heard that it is quite good. Oh man, my favorite villain from Love is Blind, the most recent uh, series of Love is Blind, uh, Shake, is also on Cameo. And and this this man, allegedly, is a veterinarian. So you would think, well, yeah. he may not be loaded, Probably but he not certainly anymore. should not be poor. But um, yeah, he's about 100 bucks for personal use Cameo. And yeah, I feel like anytime I see a Cameo, it's like, it's a shot in a kitchen or a or a car. <laughs> That's what like eighty percent of them are. As it turns out, the one that you sent that you guys sent for me, uh, he happened to be at Disneyland, which I took as like a uh, stars aligning sort of happy yep. coincidence. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was quite funny. But yes, again, like why why is uh like I'm just looking at this website right now. Like why is Brian Cox Zach Brown? You can get a cameo from Zach Brown, the CEO of McLaren. 
for 200 pounds. Why what? is this here? Why does he do this? Like, do, he doesn't, surely doesn't need these right? little 200 pounds, right? It's $250 American. And yes, I agree with you. Why is this? What? Why? He's got to be made of money. Why does he need this? Well, you know, I, I, I don't know if he's, quote, made of money, but like, it just seems, I don't know. There's just something about this cameo thing where I see some people on here who are, I see people on here who have had some success in their life, right? So they are a known face. And I kind of get it a little bit more, right? Yeah. They're like, you're maybe not what you used to be. And this is like an, an extra way to make a little bit of money, that kind of thing. But then you see, I see some people on here who are stars, right? And they've got like a cameo for like $30. Like, this feels like you're <laughs> undervaluing yourself as an individual, like your skills and your talents for yeah, this. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's very strange to me. It is very strange. Like, I understand selling things, right? Like, I do it. We do it. We sell merch and stuff like that, right? But there's something about like merchandise. It's like you create this thing and then you sell it at mass. Like, the cameo thing, it's like, individual like here's 20 for this and it's like people are asking you say this thing say this thing it's like dance monkey dance you know like i cameo <laughs> i find really weird i find it particularly like what tom felton right the guy he plays um malfoy in the harry potter series yes 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 why is he on here like he's on cameo and you can pay like 500 dollars and get a cameo from him there's like so many things about that it doesn't seem right to me like why is he there Right, like, does you not have a work? And then it's like five hundred dollars is how much it costs, right? So like, who's paying that? And like, mm -hmm. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, it's not worth five hundred dollars. <laughs> See, so as I'm clicking around as you're talking, I found the perfect kind of person. This is what you were describing: the perfect kind of person for a uh -huh. cameo, the Todd from Scrubs, like Robert Macchio, perfect, perfect person. Yes, because I get it's a hundred it. bucks. It's a hundred bucks, which is not cheap but not absurd. And you get, you know, a 30 second minute long high five from Todd. Perfect. Like yep. that is the appropriate person yep. for cameo. Uh, but as I say, I think any celebrity doing this for any price when the money goes to charity, I think is a really great thing. And that's something that like, I like that cameo does this. I think that is brilliant, right? Because it's like everybody wins, Right. Yeah. I in agree that with scenario. That. Mm -hmm. But when it's like these celebrities just like, just like taking 25 bucks at a time, I don't know, man. There's just something about it. Oh my God. You can have one on one conversations with people now. Yeah. With the Todd, meet me live. 500 bucks to meet oh, the Todd live. Oh, God. That sounds so horrible. <laughs> that does sound exceedingly awkward for, for everyone, everyone participating. You know? Yep. For everyone involved, it sounds exceedingly awkward. Yeah. And then, like, imagine you're the Todd, and, and spoilers for a 10, 15, 20-year-old uh, sitcom. Imagine you're the Todd, and, like, everyone in, in, in the call, you, you pick up the Zoom call or whatever it is, and you're looking at a group of idiots all dressed in, like, green scrubs with the bandanas and, like, dock, fake dock tattoos on their arms. Like, so you're looking at, like, five facsimiles of you, and everyone's like, ah, look at us, ah! Like, what do you do with that? Like, what do you do? I don't know, man. I'm it's looking at so, this cameo live so thing now, and it's like you pay like a couple of hundred dollars or whatever. In some cases, you get 10 minutes. 10 minutes is way too long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very much. Oh. Very much so.
Oh, goodness. Yeah, it makes me laugh. I, and I know um, Jewel State uh, from Firefly, I believe she does not only regular old cameos, but frequently will do charity stuff as well. And so, yeah, it's 100 bucks for you to get a personalized video from Jewel State. I just um... And she's, she's actively working. Like, I just just a few uh, weeks ago, we watched uh, Family Law, which is her new... Well, it's, it's between seasons right now, but it's her new show on some Canadian network. And it was good. I mean, it wasn't remarkable, but it was good. And she's the star in that show. 100 bucks for a personalized video. Oh, hey. Cameo's an odd bird. But, uh, but yes, I agree. I, I stand by that Vinnie Thomas or the Todd, those are the right kinds of people for Cameo. And, yeah. uh, and it made me laugh quite a bit. And I was very honored and pleased. Yeah, I would say that uh, like the, the, the TikTok star, like it just kind of makes sense. It made sense that he would have it, I guess. Mm. That, that, that did make sense to me. But, like I'm just looking at this. I just, I, can't, I just can't get my head around this, man. Like much respect to people that do it. I couldn't do it. Not that I think anybody would want. And so that's why I would, you know, be one of these people. I'll go on cameo, and it would cost like ten dollars, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like it's your ten dollar cameo, and then I'm doing a bunch of those for a day. You know, it's too bad we're not a challenge podcast. We, sh- I would make that the challenge is for each of us to sign up to to be on cameo. I don't think you can just do that, can you? You probably have to be invited. But and like Kathy's like making a point, which is obviously like actors don't make don't always make as much as you think. And I get that, right, as a thing. And I understand that, like, you know, you may have been, like, a good actor once, right? And you were in a position where you were making a ton of money and then you set up a lifestyle for yourself which you now can't sustain. I guess my argument would be I don't think Cameo is going to be the thing that really gets you back there, you know? Like, I yeah. understand that this stuff, like, it's it can be an issue for people, but I just, I just, there's just something about Cameo that I really don't like and I just... I don't know. This for some people, it just feels like it can be like a self worth thing. Whatever. I don't know. Uh, half the cast of Letterkenny is on Cameo, from about thirty five dollars to an also ran to one hundred fifty dollars and up for Dylan Playfair, who is also in the new Mighty Ducks. Uh, he was on Descendants. So just start uh, yeah. a podcast or something. You know what I mean? Start a YouTube. <laughs> That's channel, what all right? the cool kids are doing, That's especially what you the white dudes. Do. That's the way to yeah. do it, man. Just make money that way. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Tell me about something that, that is unequivocally cool. All right. This week, we are sponsored in part by our friends over at Trade. I'm a big fan of Trade because I love great coffee. I think this is something that I care about a lot in my life is really good coffee. And it is something that I get from Trade. Because when you become a Trade Coffee customer, you can enjoy knowing that you've got the very best tasting coffee, the freshest coffee that you've ever made at home. And the coffee that you'll be drinking will be from America's best independent craft roasters as well, which also helps out a bunch of small businesses along the way. Trade's coffee team taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. Everyone has that one coffee that they just love and Trade will help you find it. Trade is so incredibly confident that they'll match you right the first time. And if they don't, just give me your feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send a brand new bag for free so you know that you're going to be looked after. Whether your friends call you a coffee snob or you just know when your coffee tastes just right, Trade's real coffee experts, they personally taste test these hundreds of roasts so they know they, that like exactly what is best to recommend you. And they have delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee with more than 750,000 positive reviews. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com analog. That's more than 40 cups for free. 
Get started by taking their, their quiz right now at drinktrade.com slash analog and you can let trade find you a coffee you're going to love. One last time, that is drinktrade.com slash analog for $30 off. Our thanks to Trade for their support of this show and Relay FM. Mike, did you ever see the movie Happy Gilmore? Yeah. I mean, Do you remember? I am of a certain age where everybody saw it. Okay. It, I haven't seen the movie in years, but I love that movie. Uh, the character Shooter McGavin whose name, I, the actor's name I do not remember, is listed as Shooter McGavin on Cameo for $220 for personal use. Mm. Kathy also mentioned meet and oh, greets gosh. as like a thing. That makes way more sense to me, like meet and Agreed. greets Agreed. than cameos, because I feel like that's just a better interaction for everybody. Like that kind of stuff makes way more sense to me. Maybe I'm too old, you know what I mean? And now I'm yeah, just like, yeah, I don't yeah. get it anymore. But things uh, like Matt and, meet and greets it, it, make more sense to me than stuff like than Cameo does. But what do I know? You know? No, I completely agree with you. And Matt, for the save, Christopher McDonald is the actor's name uh, who played Shooter McGavin. Uh, mm. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that's, it's wild to me. Uh, speaking of making money, uh, I got my first check from Apple for uh, Masquerade, which was nice. Uh, mm-hmm. I was very happy to see that. Um, as discussed, it wasn't the... Uh, Scrooge McDuck swimming pool of gold coins that I'd hoped, but nevertheless, uh, it was nice to see. Um, I've been. You sound def- so excited. <laughs> well, about this. It, it's uh, you know it, it's not as much as I wanted, but it's more than it's more than zero by a fair margin. So I'm pretty happy mm. about that. Uh, just in the last 24 hours, I think it was yesterday morning, I released my first update to Peak View in a year wow. and a half, something like that. Um, yeah, which was uh, surprising to everyone involved, including me. <laughs> but I, Wait, uh, what do you mean? Uh, just because I I thought Peak of You was uh, kind of just on life support at this point because oh, I didn't think I there was much like left to do to it. You didn't know there was an update coming. No, 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 no. Uh, but no, I decided uh, that I wanted to go in there and try to revamp, and I did, uh, revamp the setting screen such that it looks much more like the uh, Masquerade settings, which I th- I think look pretty modern and decent, and, and it doesn't look like just a very bland table view, which is what it used to be. Uh, so that went out there with a couple of minor, minor, minor fixes, and I've been mm. tweaking a couple things on Peak of View, and I'll probably be d- uh, diving back into Masquerade. But uh, I'm running out of things that I feel like I want to accomplish code-wise um, that that are easy to accomplish anyway. I have some big things that I that I can definitely conquer, like for example, emoji search and Masquerade. But in terms of the small stuff, I'm, I'm running out of things to do, and. And so now the question becomes, you know, where do I turn my attention? Do I start conquering the bigger things? Do I start really diving into marketing properly? Because I've been kicking that can can down the road on account of it being so far out of my comfort zone and what I'm used to. And that's probably the rightest answer is to start working on marketing properly. But uh, I don't know. A a friend of mine has been putting a lot of happy, friendly pressure on me to uh, start, start to embrace TikTok, specifically around masquerade marketing. And swears that if I just TikTok, you know, if I make TikToks for like a couple of weeks, I, I'm guaranteed, I'm putting words in his mouth, but like I'm guaranteed to get a viral TikTok in the span of just a few weeks or a couple of months. The suggestion for marketing is Casey Liss makes TikToks. Yeah, basically. Not you it, buy ads on TikTok. Yes, 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 yes. That's I correct. I guess like you a, could do both, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that um, would probably be the best thing to do, right? Like you, you make the content and then. Boost the exactly right. Exactly. And, and then let the algorithm take over. I agree baby. with your friend that this is probably a good thing for you to try. Yeah, I, I think I need to go down that road. I'm just. Well, I'm I so... think I think you need 
to get someone to help you make the TikTok. Like, who knows what they're doing? I think. No, well, that that's also very true. And that's what I was going to say. Way of making this content, like mm-hmm. that, it's not like the way you would make Instagram content. Yeah, there's like yeah. a speed and presentation to TikTok uh, that I don't think is the same on Instagram. You know, you got to work to the platform, right? Yeah, and so well, you know, one of his suggestions to that end was just start using the app. Like I've had an account for yeah, you, like a that's, year that's or two, but very important. Yeah, you know, yeah. But use the app for a little bit, get the feel for it, get the get the un- understanding of the of the basic you know tenets of t- TikTok title, and then uh, and then you can start creating, and then once you start creating, then you can start like properly marketing. And um, yeah, as Eric says, just get someone to make a cameo for you. <laughs> Easy, Done. yeah, but that's business use. That's expensive, man. In business just get find a TikToker, pay them to do a video for you. Yeah, right, right. It's all coming full circle, baby. Uh, anyway, but, uh, I'm, I'm scared of it, man. Not in a literal sense, but like, I, I feel too old for it. And, and, and I, I, yeah, but you understand though, there is absolutely zero to lose. Like if nobody sees these videos, it doesn't matter. Does it, you're back to square zero. Well, I mean, I've spent time, but yes, your point is still fair. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel, I'm feeling depressingly out of touch with the youths of, of today. Like, um, I, I'm, I'm noticing that more and more slang I find distasteful. And then I find the fact that I find the slang distasteful to be distasteful. Can you give me an example of a word that makes you upset? Mike, this podcast is so fire. Like, why ugh. does that bother you? Just, you don't oh, just have to say it, but there's nothing ugh. wrong with that. Well, I don't like it. It makes me feel super gross, but even just listening like it. to it. it Anything else? Bit. What about lit? I guess that's I probably know, not a thing lit, people lit say anymore. Lit has been around anymore. long enough. Yeah lit, yeah, lit has been around long enough that it's okay. I'm trying. There are plenty of other examples. Where are I'm trying you to hearing think. these things? Well, actually, so a, a friend of mine just said that something is so fire earlier today, and a friend uh-huh. who is my age, by the way, but is much better at being young than I am. Yeah, and uh, and <laughs> ask an actual young person how they feel about that person's youngness. Yeah, well, that's also fair. If um, they're your age, you know, what are you forty now? Jeez, yes, you're mm-hmm. not young anymore, baby. I know, right? Uh, but anyways, I don't know. It, it's, it, I, I'm feeling ever older with each passing day and, and a TikTok feels like a, a dramatic reminder of how old I am. And so that probably means that I need to actually dive right in and embrace it. So I don't become deeply old, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, I, again, I use the word scared and I think I mean that slightly literally, but mostly, uh, figuratively, but I don't know. It just, it scares me. It's such a different world than anything I'm used to. TikTok has a thing that you can add in a robotic voice. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. You should just mm-hmm. use that so you don't have right. to actually say the words. <laughs> yeah. Um, this it app talks. is so fire. Check it out. Man, I, I want to see this ad copy. Not for not to change it, just because I want to see I just want to see it before you have to commit it to something. Yeah, that would know. be very well, funny to me. You got any other examples of words that you don't like? This I'll, is this is to, a good this is a good well for me to to plumb that. <laughs> I I know there are tons. I I off the top of my head. Oh, slaps! I don't like slaps. Oh, I like that. I've said that a couple of times recently. No, it's, by it's I'm, I, I don't like it for me. Like I I can I can understand it and appreciate <laughs> it, it for me. I I can appreciate it for you. It's not for me. It's not for right. Me. No, seriously, because when you're not an old fart like me, you yeah. can say that something slaps. But I'm way too old and way too nerdy to I say that something slaps. I think you with slaps. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But nevertheless, I, I, I would, I'm happy to share other examples. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. But, well, you got two so far, old man. Yeah, yeah I know, right? Uh, I don't yeah. have like 
I don't like TikTok, right? For me, is not a thing where I feel like I'm too old for it or whatever. Like, I don't use TikTok because I don't have a desire for another social app to. Well, that's also true. That that's all it is for me. And then this isn't like that. Like, oh, it just sucks your brain away, man. Like, ten seconds at a time. Like, I'm not in that world. It's just like between Instagram and Twitter, and then also I consider Discord in this bucket for me there's already more than I can can consume and I can't consume all of the all of the, the discord's really making me laugh now <laughs> this app slaps and put emojis on faces I like it this this app slaps emojis on faces perfect um yeah I just feel like I don't have the the desire to add something in and like you know, TikTok has definitely reached that like nadir now, where everyone uses it, right? Like I yeah. remember for a time it was like only the kids were using Snapchat, and then everyone started using Snapchat, and only the kids were using Instagram Stories, and then everyone started using Instagram Stories. Like TikTok yeah, yeah, yeah. a while ago, like far past that. And I'm also getting a lot of quote unquote TikTok content on Instagram already. Sure, sure, sure. So like sure. I yep. feel like I don't need another place. I also just like. I am old school in a way, in a sense of like, I want to see the content from the people I choose to see the content from. And like, you know, TikTok doesn't work that way. That's like my only real um, hold up on it. But for me, it is purely just like, I do not have, I would have to take time away from the other networks and social apps that I pay attention to. And I yeah. don't really want to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I definitely need to start diving into it. And that's probably a better use of my time, at least in the near term, than continuing to fiddle with code. But I don't know. It's just, it's so, it's one of those situations where the adult in me knows that it, because it makes me uncomfortable, that's why I should do it. But because it makes me uncomfortable, I'm, I'm avoiding doing it at all costs. And so I don't know. I, I need to grow up and just buckle down and, and do it. But I'm ah. being informed by the youth. Uh, that there is a following page on TikTok. It's not all just the For You page, otherwise known as the FYP, which is the algorithmic thing. Um, mm. I think TikTok mm. prefers you to be that way, but nevertheless, it doesn't change my, my my thing. Like That's like a secondary thing for me where it's like it's trying to be algorithm-focused. Mm. Uh, mm. But for me, it's purely like I just... I mean, I'm already thinking like I need to stop using Twitter, but that's like a whole other thing for another oh, time. And really, I'm just going both. back around in the same circle that I've been going around in for like the last five years with it. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I don't, I definitely don't have a desire for another social app, which is why I've, I've not really spent any time on TikTok. I understand TikTok. As I said, I see content that's intended for TikTok and I enjoy it when I see it. I see it on Instagram and I'm seeing it a lot on YouTube as well, like for shorts. But I just, yeah. I just don't want to put something up in my life. But nevertheless, you should make masquerade TikToks. I know I should. You can slap. <laughs> Stop. Emoji slaps. You can use the fire. You can slap the fire emoji. Oh my god! Onto I quit. Things. I quit. Tell me about Wealthfront, please, and thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wealthfront. So many people regret not getting their investments in order earlier in life. It's no wonder why it can feel like you have to be a genius to navigate investing. Thankfully, Wealthfront is on hand to help. The secret to Wealthfront's performance is great software. It's built to make it easy and rewarding to build your long-term wealth. 
Wealthfront's automated trading optimizes your portfolio based on your own risk settings, which helps you reach your financial goals without lifting a finger. This also gets you automatic tax breaks that boost your returns even when the market dips. You can go with Wealthfront's expert-built portfolios, including a socially responsible option designed around sustainability, diversity, and equity, or you can build your own portfolio with the curated selection of funds. Wealthfront is trusted with over $27 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. In, and Investopedia just named them the best robo-advisor for 2022. To start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com analog. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com analog to start building your wealth today. That's one last time, wealthfront.com slash analog to get started today. Our thanks to Wealthfront for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. I tell you what, Casey Liss, if, mm. if anything is going to want me to leave Twitter, I think it might be this episode of Analog because the Discord <laughs> oh, no are uprising against us so far today. <laughs> How so? Our think... opinions on Cameo and TikTok. There's yeah, a lot of opinions. I feel like I'm going to be opinioned to uh, <laughs> for a lot about this episode. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, well done yeah i i don't know i i'm trying to pay attention to the discord but it is so chatty that it is hard they're for on to it man they're going yeah. for it they're coming for us it is they're coming it's for like, us pop, okay here's an example i have i have come to embrace popping off like the discord is popping oh, off right it's now popping off. i don't think that's like a thing you know i well i don't know it feels like a young person's thing to say but i I've, i can i've come around on that one i don't know uh mike i don't remember on one which one of your 17 podcasts that i listened to that you mentioned this but i believe you mentioned somewhere somehow some some way on this show was it this show was this it, is the I first can, place i spoke about it oh okay i can i i there's so much mike in my ears title that uh i don't Ew. even know <laughs> that's gross <laughs> i don't even know where i hear things but um but yes yeah, so uh, tell me about your intentions to move to a different flat slash home slash house slash whatever. But again, I've already spoke about these intentions. They were on the last episode of Analog. So far, it's not a nightmare and I hate it. And I just, <laughs> everything is bad about it. I shouldn't laugh because uh, you and I have spoken about this privately a little bit. And I do feel genuinely very bad for both you and Adina. But uh, yeah, it seems like things are not all peachy keen over in grand old London town. So what, what's the situation report? Did I talk about it on this show? I'm convinced that I did now, but who could even know? I, I, I honestly, my memory is so crappy and you, and I listened to you so you're much sewing that down I have no in idea. my ears. No, in my ears? I, I think in you're my probably mind. Why is everything in the ears today? <laughs> Yikes. Uh, no, I think, I think it is. I was on this show. I think you are correct. Yeah. Uh, we haven't had an offer yet. Um, we haven't found anything we like to put an offer on. <laughs> Delightful. We've had a couple of bank holiday weekends, which probably hasn't helped with the amount of viewings, like people have been busy or whatever. Are there weeks in the UK where there is not a bank holiday? Yeah, they, we're just in prime season right now. Like There is like a bunch of spring uh, bank holidays. So there's 52 weeks in the year, of which there are 38 weeks with bank holidays? 40, 45? Yeah, I mean, you know, like just as a as a people, we actually like to to give breaks to people, give them like time off, healthcare, you know, just like basic fundamentals. I you see. Know? I see. Uh, so, so you're not French. You just like people. <laughs> I don't even really know where you're going with this. I 
love you, Mike. All right, so let's concentrate on uh, other reasons why you're upset, and not because I'm making fun of your country. Yeah. Uh, so you, you see, you can't find anywhere to buy. Nobody wants to buy your house. So <laughs> this is not. This is not. Yeah, this is not good, great. Mike. No, it's kind, <laughs> it's not kind of great. I mean, isn't this exactly what you want? I mean, like, we don't really know what to do, right? Like, everyone. One of the biggest issues that I'm finding with this process is everybody has an agenda, right? Yeah. So like everyone that we talk to in this process gives us different answers that clearly seem to benefit them <laughs> yes. the most. Like we're wondering if we should switch a, um, a state agent. Okay, uh, now again, here again, you, you yeah. need to do some translations here for me, please. Yeah. An estate agent is a company here uh, of which you list your property with, and they have multiple um, people that work inside of that estate agent. They are also estate agents, which is complicated. Um, and then they will try to sell your house for you to individuals that want to come and view it. Right? That is like the basics of how it tends to work here. And we're not sure if we're with the right one. They seem to be do. They seem to do a good job, like initially, but I'm, we're not confident with how good a job they are actually doing. Um, with with showing the place, uh, we haven't had any viewings, and I don't. Sorry, we haven't had any offers. I'm not necessarily saying that it's their fault or whatever, but we're not convinced. There are these newer things here in the UK where you can be the estate agent, like it's like a platform, and basically you show the property. We've been to a viewing or two where this has happened. I think really we there there is an element of selling that our house needs done, like our flat needs done to it for, for a couple of reasons. It's a good place, but like there's just a lot of competition and there's like fees to be paid, et cetera, et cetera, for the upkeep of the uh, building itself. So I think you have to try and do a good job of trying to sell to someone that this stuff is actually worth the price. And I think we can do a good job of that because we can actually talk about what it is. And so we're wondering if this is going to be a thing for us, but it's a lot of work, you know, it's, it's work on us. It's, it's, it would be worse. We work on it. You know, she's managing most of this process for us. So then it would be a case of us showing the house. Um, to people, but we're already doing a lot of work every time there is viewings to make the house viewing ready. Which is also like last three weeks. I don't know where anything is in the house anymore because we're just <laughs> we're just shoving things in drawers, so there's nothing lying yeah, around. True. And now I can't find anything. And this has been like nearly a month we've had this. Um, so really, like right now, I just don't know how long this is going to take, and I don't know if we're on the right uh, plan with it. And at certain point, like we keep in seeing houses, we're going to find something we like, and we're going to want to make an offer on it. But then we actually still need to sell our place. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so it's it's really complicated because I, you know, we've already had a few places that we loved the look of and didn't even get to see them. Or, you know, it was this one place where we thought it looked great. It was in a nice area. Uh, we booked in to get a viewing on it. And we were told we were going to get in the like the first viewings, like the first day they were doing viewings. That was like we. This was on Tuesday. The viewings were on Saturday, and then we were called mm. on Thursday. Somebody paid cash fifty thousand pounds over the asking price. Oh my gosh! Like, and I don't like. What am I supposed to do about this? How can yeah. I? You know what I mean? How can how can we compete with these people? 
Yeah. Right. And yeah. so like I don't I don't really know what to do. And like why the frick is no one even bothering to make uh, we have a lovely apartment in a great area and I just don't understand. Like it's perfect for people just like me and Udina, right? Like dual income, work in London, like that's well that was our situation at the time. Like great commute, like you know, like thinking about maybe a family, it's a nice family area. It's a great area that we're in, but nobody will make an offer. And like, it's <laughs> driving me mad. And like, at a certain point, we're going to end up losing money on this house. And that is not how this should be. Yeah, that's right. Really you buy really a tough. house, you're supposed to make money on the house. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're, you're in a real cr- a tough spot and a real crummy spot. And, and I wish I had a recommendation for you and I have none. Um, but I don't know. It's, it seems to me that, the personnel involved with both buying and selling a home is a little bit different over there. Like you said, you have an estate agent, which sounds very similar, but not exactly the same as a realtor over here. Um, particularly for a seller, but you, you seem to, and when we were talking privately about it, um, it seemed to me that you basically are on your own to find the house you would like to buy. And that is very unusual by American, by American standards. We have online platforms where you can look at, places and find them but you can also as an individual as a seller go to an estate agent and say i am in the market send me the things that you know Mm -hmm. that you think will fit my criteria and then you have like you know you might register with a few estate agents they will contact you and say hey we have this place we have this place and then you go and meet them and do a viewing with them right right so like you don't have one person you register with a bunch of them and then whoever it is will just show you the place or whatever. Yeah, that's super weird because on the buying side, and I've never sold a house. I, um, we we bought the house that I'm sitting in right now and we've not moved since. But on the buying side, you typically would find a realtor and they will search uh, what it, it's MLS is what it's called. I forget what it stands for. Um, something listing service. But uh, but basically they'll, they'll search and search and search and talk to their cronies and whatnot. And they'll bring to us, oh, here's a handful of houses I think you'll like. And then, um, and then we'll say, oh yeah, we did like that. Don't like that. Did like that. Don't like that. And then they'll go back to the drawing board and say, okay, now that I've seen kind of what you do and don't like, and I've seen it with my own eyes. Now I think I have a better feel for what you'd enjoy. Let's look at these houses. All right. So this exists here, but it is far from the norm. They're called hmm. buying agents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it is a everybody needs a selling agent when they're selling. You mm-hmm. don't need a buying agent here. And they are very rare. Um, it's something I only found out about myself relatively recently, just in like doing research about how to buy and sell. Like there are TV shows here. It's like a it's so I would say for for people in the UK who are like, what are you talking about, buying agent? So uh Location, location, location. Phil and Kirsty, they're buying agents. This is a very UK-focused piece of uh, information, but I think people <laughs> will understand what I'm saying. Like, we have a TV show where people try and buy a house, right? Like, they want to buy it. Mm-hmm. They're looking for a new house. And there are these two people who seem to just, like, find these houses and show them. They're like, hey, I've got this this one for you. Like, it's one that I know about. These two individuals who host this television show are actually buying agents like that that this is what they do for a living and they also have this tv show which is very mm-hmm. popular so now it's like now they are like buying agents to the stars right right, right but they right, right. have relationships with estate agents selling estate agents 
and also just connections in an area and can find places that are coming up as they are coming up uh, on offer before they go out wider to the market, can get people in, do the negotiations for you, all that kind of stuff. This buying and buying agents is the missing piece to what doesn't make sense to you. It's the difference right. I've found out. The main difference between the US and the UK system is typically in the UK, you are making the decisions on your own as an individual. You don't have a professional in the middle on the buying side. But apparently, it is a thing that you can do for a fee. Oh, yeah. And so when, to the best of my recollection and knowledge, when you purchase a home in the States, the seller of the home pays 6% of the price to to the two real estate agents. 3% goes to the person who helped them sell the house. And the seller actually pays the, the buying agent. So when we, when we bought our house, the mm. person we bought it from paid a total of 6%, 3% to their own real estate agent, and then 3% to our real estate agent in order to have that as, I was going to say thanks, but it's compensation for, um, for, for bringing the house to our attention and, and getting the deal across the finish line. Um, but, uh, it's, 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 I'm not saying as far better, worse, as I'm or, aware to my memory, when you buy here, I don't think there you're paying a commission to anyone. The seller pays the commission. That's the same here. Right. That's but what I'm saying. Here, if you were to use a buying agent, you as the buyer pay commission to the buying agent because it's not uh, normal. Right. Uh, okay. So that's you fair. are mm-hmm. making the choice to hire this professional. But their thing is like, we'll save you money in the negotiations. Right, right, right. This is horrible stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. I genuinely am sorry. So, so are you looking for a unicorn right now? Like, what, what's your problem, man? Like, no, nah, man. Three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and some, like, just like, that's what, and a garden. It's and really by that, not. You mean, the garden to you is backyard to me, right? Yeah. Okay. And so, are you looking in, like, I don't know, Trafalgar Square? Is that the problem? No, we're still looking in South London. Like, we're looking in the area that we're in now, and we've thrown in a couple of places to expand the search area a bit. Like, there are places that come up, they go quickly, but it shows that there are things uh, that exist in this area, um, or in the areas that we're looking. Like, it exists, but it's just complicated, and we're, like, hesitant to try and push too far, though, at the same time, because... We kind of want to get an idea that at least someone is interested in the place. Like we've had a we've had a small handful of like second viewings, right? So someone's come mm-hmm. once and then they've mm-hmm. come back, which is like tends to be a good sign. But then everyone's just going quiet after that. I don't know what's going. You know what you you know what happened? You got ghosted. Yep. This is another one, one okay of your. With, this is another no, one of your no, slangs. That one, that, I'm okay with that. I didn't like it at first, but I've come around on that one too. Ghosted is good, right? Yeah, so no, good I think one. that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so. I mean, there's no, there's no Are you urgency. familiar with being left on red? I can piece together what you mean by that, but I've yeah. never heard this before. Okay. Uh, no, anyway, so are you, there's no, there's no external urgency though, right? Like I'm not saying you don't want to do it today or yesterday or what have you, but there's nothing like a lease that's expiring or, you know, <laughs> you, you're, you know, Adina is not pregnant. You don't have to have it done in like three weeks. Not that yep. I'm looking to announce anything right now either, even if she was, but you know what I mean? Like it, this is self-imposed. We have, no, at least. we have nothing pushing us except for our desire to move. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Ah, it's still stinky though. Because I mean, at we least also, have, we wanted to do, we wanted to do this two years ago. Yeah. Then so what we, happened? We've already extended the amount of time that we wanted to be in this place. Yeah. And I really, I mean, it's definitely more my side. Like, 
I think Hadina's happier in our place than I am. I really want to move. I feel like we have a new like chapter of our life to write and I want to be somewhere else to do it. You know what I mean? Like, mm, well put. This place doesn't really feel like a home to me. Like our apartment doesn't really feel like a home. It, it, mm-hmm. it's always, it just feels like kind of like the place where we are because we'd always uh, planned mm-hmm. to move from the moment we moved in. It was always yeah. like, we'll just be here until the mortgage expires, which is five years, and then we'll move. Mm. And how many years have you been there? Six and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, you're, the clock is ticking for sure. The clock is talked. <laughs> well, good luck, man. I, don't, I wish I had some sort of actionable advice for you. The only thing my, I... My, I wish I could come back on the next episode and be like, oh, so it's moved on. But at the moment... Nothing's changed since the last yeah. time we spoke about this. You know what that's, I mean? That's stinky. Uh, the only thing I can do is, and I think I stole this from Sarva in the Discord, uh, I think the one clear answer to your problems is to start marketing your current flat on TikTok. I don't, there's nothing I would want to do less than that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure I feel too differently about Masquerade, but here we are. <laughs> no, but I'm not trying to sell my apartment in many times to many people <laughs> all over the world. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So what well, what if though what if you wanted uh-huh. to facilitate yep. the viewing of the apartment mm-hmm. without actually coming to the apartment? You wanted to put together like a website right. for it. Is there a way in which you could do that quickly and easily? Sure. I don't know if you technically can or, or like realistically can do this, but if you wanted to, you could set up a Squarespace website. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build your brand and grow your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience and sell anything, your products, services, and even the content you create. Squarespace has you covered. With Squarespace, you can get started with a best-in-class website template and customize it to fit your needs. It is as easy as browsing the category of your business or the idea that you have to find a perfect starting place, and you can customize it with a few clicks. This is so easy to do. You can make it look beautiful, give it the colors that you want, the logos that you want, the branding that you're looking for. You can also check in on all of this on the apps as well as on the web. And you can even sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital goods, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. They also have great integrations of services you might want to use to help your business grow. And also they have really great analytics as well to help you understand where things are going and what's, what's going on. So go to squarespace.com analog and you can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required. As part of that trial, you can build your entire website. You can see just how fantastic and easy Squarespace is to use. And then when you're ready to launch your website to the world, use the offer code analog to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com analog. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code analog to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the show. Thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of Analog and Relay FM. Uh, another example of slang I don't like, Mike. That that segue was so cringe. Mm. No, it, it it can be it can be cringy. I'm fine with that, but no, so cringe. Get out of here with that. You don't like cringe. Um, all right. So moving on. Uh, does anybody really know it what time it is? And, and also, uh, does any is anyone really trying anymore? Like for real, is anyone trying anymore? Well, I mean, some people probably are. (laughs) I feel like it's just us. And uh, here we are. It's Casey complains about the pandemic yet again, Corner. Love it. Um, But I'm I'm 
I'm bummed. I'm bummed and I'm frustrated uh, because here it is in early May, almost mid-May in the That'd year 2022, and there is still no possibility for Michaela to get vaccinated. There's nothing I, I can feel do about like it. there's been many news stories yes. confirming this was going to happen. Yes. And it never happened. Correct. So okay. very, very briefly, in February-ish, Pfizer, and I forget what name they go by over there, but Pfizer um, had well, said- Pfizer. Oh, we just have a different name for the- Well, everybody has a different name for the vaccine, but it's Pfizer. Okay, fair enough. It's not actually um, called Pfizer. It's called Corminati. Oh, interesting. That's the name of the vaccine, but all of the hey, vaccines so, have their own names. Yeah, we don't really do the name of the vaccine. It's no, neither the, do what, the, neither do we. It's just like on legal documents, they have they have to name the ah, fair, fair, what, fair. what the technology is rather than sure. the company okay. that, that made it. So anyway, so uh Pfizer had said in like February-ish, my timeline might be wrong, but you get the idea. Had said in February-ish, okay, we've got the we we've got the story for the two-shot round for kids under five, or yeah, under five, not five and under, but under five. We've got the story for the two-shot round initial findings that we're seeing, and they said this themselves, initial findings are it's not perfect, but it's not harmful. And, you know, we think it's all right. And they started, you know, communicating this to the FDA, supposedly in the FDA, Food and Drug Administration. The FDA was like, well, let's maybe not figure it out. Let's maybe not talk about it until you've tried a three-round trial. And they said, okay, fine. And then all of a sudden, the FDA said, wait, 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 wait. Actually, since a three-round trial needs the two rounds first. Screw it. Let's just try. Let's talk the two-round trial, and then then we'll figure out the third round later. And they said, "Okay, fine." And if memory serves, they went to the FDA with the two-round stuff, and then the FDA was like, mm, "Nope, we need to see the three-round stuff after all." <sighs> why? 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 Okay, fine. Meanwhile. Well, I mean, you know why. Well, I mean, it's, it's not going to hurt anything. If you need two to get to three, just do the two. Uh, I, know, I know, I know. But anyways, uh, so then Moderna comes out of the woodwork, and Moderna, I believe, is only approved in the in in the states um, for eighteen and up. They are not approved five and up like Pfizer is. And Moderna said, "Hey, we can go all the way down to like six months old or something like that, and we're good to go. We are ready to file. Let's do this, baby." And they filed a couple of weeks ago. And the FDA was like, eh, we'll get to it in June. The going assumption is that the reason they're saying that they're going to do it in June is because, and this has been reported, and I think it's somewhat rumor, somewhat, you know, back-channeled, but it's been reported that the FDA or CDC or somebody, the Center for Disease Control, somebody wants to make sure that all of us dumb Americans, which, I mean, we are kind of dumb, but that's neither here nor there, all of us dumb Americans don't get confused by different options. So what they want to do is they want to wait for they want to quietly wait for the Pfizer three round stuff to come in. And then once they've got the Pfizer three round stuff in one hand and the Moderna two round stuff in the other hand, then they can just do it all at once in June at the earliest. Maybe we think. So here it is. We went into some form of lockdown and I use that term loosely because it's not like a British lockdown. We went into some form of lockdown on the 13th of March, 2020. Over two years ago, I have been fully vaccinated, I believe, a year and a month. Declan has been fully vaccinated for like six months. I just want Michaela to have some amount of protection. Please and thank mm. you. It doesn't have to be perfect. As long as it's not you know, likely to make her ill, 
I would like some amount of protection for my youngest kid, please and thank you. I don't think that's too much to ask. And the earliest we're going to hear about this, supposedly, is late June. All of the requisite meetings may finally be accomplished. So I guess in July, maybe she'll get her first shot. And it's fine to take your time and do this right. Like that, I don't begrudge. I don't want them to rush it. I'm not saying that at all. But the rumblings that I've heard is that they're just kind of sitting on their hands waiting around. And that's what grinds my gears. And it's making me bananas. On top of that, I can tell you that here in central Virginia, the pandemic is over, baby. <laughs> so then what's the issue? <laughs> well, but no, the pandemic ain't I'm over kidding, in terms I'm of. Kidding, yeah, I'm okay, kidding, I thought I'm you were being serious for a second because <laughs> no, the pandemic is very much not over in terms of case. Load I, and you things said like it, that. not me. Uh, yeah, right. You heard it here first, kids. Casey says it's over. Um, no, the. the uh, here in central Virginia, the pandemic is over. Like people are doing stuff inside. Uh-huh. They're going to restaurants. They're going to movies. They're doing all sorts of fun stuff. Everyone's having fun, but me, Mike. And that's because almost nobody has small kids like me, or at least amongst my peer group. So uh. people are going to movies. People are going to restaurants. People are doing getting on planes. People are doing all the sorts of fun crap that I don't get to do uh-huh. because I'm not allowed yet because Michaela can't get her shot. It's not her fault. It's not my fault. It's nobody's fault. But it stinks and I'm over it and I'm frustrated and I just want to be able to go do stuff again. And can I ask you a question? Yes, please. And this question comes with no particular belief on my pers- from my perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. and I feel like I already know the answer, but I just want to ask the question. Sure. Like, You're just asking the question. Right? I'm just asking the questions, man. I can just ask the questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like it's more of a statement, really. You can just tell me what you think about it. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not making a joke. Like I mean it. Like it's not really a question as such. My understanding is, especially in kids, that COVID isn't at least where we the flavor of COVID we have in the world right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. is not that serious by and large. Right. That's is fair. that the case? Do you think? Like I don't know. I'm only going so. on things I see on Twitter. I mean, what do I know? You know, I'm a, I'm a dumb moron. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, no, I, I take I'm your also point. speaking from from exam- from uh, experience too. Many I've had a uh, number of young people in my family have had COVID. Yeah. No, I think you're right. They were vaccinated though, so I'll say that also helps. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you're right. I think especially for the super littles like Michaela's age. Um, uh, it seems extremely unlikely, not impossible, but extremely unlikely that it would be bad for her if she were to catch it. Yeah. Would you take the risk, right? Like, I know that's the thing as being a parent of like, were well, you going to take the risk, get your kids sick? Like, that's yeah, the do issue. You, do you take the risk? And so yeah. as much as I'm whining and moaning, um, we are out in the world way more than we have ever been. Well, not ever, but you know, yeah. in, 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 in the <laughs> after times. You can't stop us. <laughs> Watch yeah. out, baby. Mm-hmm. Pew, pew, pew. Uh, here we go. Shoot from the hip. Uh, no, but um, we're way more in the world now than we have been in two years. But that being said, it seems, and I guess here's where the math come to, comes down for me. To do things that are not obligatory seems silly for me and my family right now. So as an example... Uh, Michaela's class is all of like eight kids and, and two teachers. And she, in the last month or so, has stopped wearing her mask at school because it has been made clear to, to Aaron and me that it is doing far more damage keeping her in the mask than it would be for her to get COVID. I mean, obviously, she could die if she got COVID, and I fear that tremendously. But in all likelihood, she wouldn't. And so can I ask what the damage is? Like, do you mean like 
emotional. It was social more than anything. Social, social emotional. Yeah, emotional. Was kind of it was it was for. very hard for her. Like it, well, it was. I mean, it was it was heartbreaking that every day she came home from school and we would ask. Well, not every, she goes three times a week, but every time she came home from school, well, who did you play with today? Oh, no one. Well, okay, what did you do on the playground? Oh, I played with this this solo like piece of equipment that's not really for you know playing with all the other kids. Oh, well, did you play with anyone during the school time? No, and it's just like every day. And every why day. What, is that like kids don't want to play with her because she's wearing a mask? Well, I don't think it's like a, a a deliberate thing on their part, but I think it's just hard for them to connect right. when they can't see half of her face, right? Yeah. And it's hard for her to connect because she can't express. I mean, look. I'm just going to say, like, you know, if I'm you, I'm doing the same thing. Right. And, and right. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's a bad decision. I don't know. There are no good decisions. <laughs> That's facts. You know, sitting here today, though, that it seemed like the best choice we could possibly make was for her to stop going with a mask because it was just it was it was clearly causing, you know, some sort of so, some sort of social problems. And and so, OK, so we said, OK, you can drop the mask. And then just a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, a little while after spring break, Declan said to Aaron randomly, I- I'd really like it if I didn't have to wear a mask anymore at school. And so that became a whole different discussion. Well, you know, Michaela isn't wearing a mask. Why are we punishing him with a mask? And, and, you know, it, well, it seems like most of his class has given up on it. So now he's kind of like one of the weird lone holdouts, you know what I mean? Where it's, where it's, it's him is the one weirdo, not literally, but, you know, kind of sort of, he's the only weirdo with a mask on. And so eventually we were like, okay, you know, if you want to drop the mask, buddy, like we understand and we appreciate you holding on, holding on as long as you did. And so he's not wearing a mask in school. Um, and, and that scares the poop out of me, but I, you know, we get emails from the school every week and they say, okay, there's been, you know, one COVID case, you know, two COVID cases, no COVID cases. And much to my surprise, there's only been one or two a week for the last six, 10 weeks. And so I was expecting it to be you know, full on chicken. I was expecting full on chicken, little sky is falling sort of thing. And, um, it hasn't been like that, but Mm. so we are doing, we are doing some things that we have not done before, you know, like we are letting them go to school without masks and, and, you know, and, and, and we are occasionally, you know, having people step in our house for a couple of minutes, you know, like not for hours and hours, but it happens a couple of times that people will come inside our house, which has not happened. Um, so we are doing more, but the things that are really and truly optional, like going out to eat and sitting indoors in the restaurant for our family, because we're not all vaccinated, that seems like an unnecessary risk. I'm not saying it's bad for you, Mike, where you and Adina are vaccinated. I'm not saying it's bad for anyone else. I'm saying it's bad for us because it seems like, why don't we just take it to go or eat on a patio or whatever? We don't have to eat inside the restaurant. And so it's stuff like that. And going to the movies, like our kids have never been to the movie theater because, you know, they weren't old enough when this all started, but I would love to take them to see a kid's movie at the movie theater. And here again, for you, Mike, that makes sense to go to a movie theater. It makes sense for most of our friends to go to movie theaters because they either don't have kids. Especially if you want to see Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which is a great movie, you know? I want to. I want to. But, <laughs> um, but you know, and so, and, and, and so it makes sense for most people to treat the pandemic like, well, I can understand if not, it makes sense for most people to treat the pandemic like it's over. Like, I don't, I don't begrudge you, Mike, for treating the pandemic. I'm not saying that you are hundred percent, but for doing things that I'm not feeling like I'm able to do, I don't begrudge you for going to the movies or going out to eat. Like that makes sense. You're vaccinated. Like it, it the, the, the caseload. Well, this to be was low. the deal, you know, right? Right. You know? This was like, the deal. This, this was, was the, the deal. Agreement. 
Yep, I completely agree. Mm. And if I were in your shoes, you bet your butt I'd be at the movies and at every restaurant under the sun. Like, yeah. I would be doing the same thing. But, oh my gosh, it's so frustrating that I feel like the entirety of the planet has moved on. And yet we're here twiddling our thumbs game, going, hey, 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 over here, please, 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 over here, please. Hey, remember us? You know, I'm pointing in my own head now. Please, 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 over here. Can we get something? We would like, we would like a dose of that for Michaela, please. Yeah, please and thank you. And yeah. it's just... It's just, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for the kids. It's heartbreaking for Aaron. It's heartbreaking for me. Like selfishly, it's freaking heartbreaking. I just want to go eat inside a restaurant. I want to eat inside a friggin' McDonald's. Like I don't even care what restaurant it is. I just want to go somewhere and eat indoors. And mm -hmm. I literally could do that. Like that is something I could do today, but it just seems unnecessarily risky to me. And I don't know. It's self-imposed, you know, in the same way, to some degree, in the same way that your desire to move is self-imposed. Like it's self-imposed that I'm not going to a restaurant, but I feel like my hands are tied in the same way I think you feel like your hands are tied, like because you can't find a place. Nobody's buying your place, you know? So ah, it's just frustrating. And I just want it to be over, man. I want mm. it to be over. Yeah, it's funny right now. Like, I get what you're saying about like not begrudging people for like wanting to, who, you know, or, like live in their lives. And yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. by and large. I mean, I would say that I'm not, my life is not now what it was in oh, like totally, totally. November of 2019 you know or January of 2020 I'm doing more things now than I've done at any point during the pandemic like I Same. am eating yeah. inside <laughs> uh, I am going to movie theaters um, I still have a mask on me all the time I wear it in pretty much every indoor space including on public transport even though most people don't now and you don't have to so I, I want to move on to something slightly different about this about here, yeah, but I will just please. say I feel for you because I know in your situation I would be the same. Yeah. Because it's like I don't want to just uh, like willingly let this issue in, right? Yeah, because, exactly, exactly. But for two reasons, right? One, because care would care about my child, and two, I would know how guilty I would feel. Yep. Right? Exactly right. And so like it is a really difficult thing, and I genuinely hope that they – get their fingers out and do this sort of thing. We only are at five uh, and above here too, by the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to talk about real quick is the little yeah. bit of the situation here in the UK. It's, just, it's kind of funny to me, really, in a dark way. Like, our cases right now are the lowest they have been since this time last year. Mm-hmm. So we're down to like, I don't know, at the moment, something like 20,000 cases a day at the peak. Like we have like this delay over the weekends, kind of around 10 to 20, 10 to 25,000 cases a day is kind of where we are right now, which for mm. the UK is, is pretty good in the grand scheme of things. Right, right. The free government testing stopped. Oh, yes, I did hear about this, which seems mm. a little bananas to me, but whatever. Testing is heavily subsidized. So you can mm. still get them. Mm -hmm. You can get them from any pharmacy, uh, but you have to pay for them. But they're they're f all things considered, compared to other countries that don't subsidize their testing, the testing is fair enough priced. Mm -hmm. right? The thing that I find funny now is comparing the UK's numbers to the rest of the world or to other countries, because. Okay. One of the things I've been talking about a lot during the pandemic is everyone is looking at the UK and was like, you're the worst, <laughs> right? <laughs> but we were testing 
millions of people right. a day. We were finding all the cases, by and large. <laughs> What's happening now is people that are sick are realizing they have COVID, they are testing themselves, and then being found that they have COVID. And I actually think as well, like we're also, I think the, I don't know exactly how you, you, you say how bad, like, sorry, if you have it or not, like I'm not sure, because you used to report it to the NHS, but you don't do that in the same way anymore. I'm actually not sure on that part, but whatever, there is some kind of like thing. Like, you know, I was looking it up and like the amount of tests that we're doing now is still more, I think, per capita than other countries, but not as much as we were doing. And one of the biggest things that I find is our percentage of positive test per test taken is still significantly lower than, say, America. Mm -hmm. Like, I look at these figures because it would annoy me, right? Because I would have my friends who live in other countries point <laughs> at my country and say how, how terrible it is. When I would argue that we were only as bad as anywhere else. Right, right. But the statistics just didn't show that for us. <laughs> Well, so it turns out Trump was right. If you don't test, you don't have a problem. I make this joke a lot to my friends. Yep. Because it's such a ridiculous thing to say. It is. But there is a truth in it. <laughs> it is not smart truth, but it's truth. And I do feel like comparing caseload, like pure case number, or even case number per capita, has been a really bad, stupid thing to do without looking at everything else that surrounds it. Like, you've got right. to look at the amount of tests taken. Then you've got to look at the amount of tests that were positive. And mm -hmm. then you've got to start to balance it out. Like, just being like, look how many more cases you have than us is not really helpful and has never been helpful. Like, there are going to be... I look forward to, like, the history books that are written about this time period i don't i don't want to relive this at all but i, I get your because point I, I was just listening to i think you might have been on a dithering where uh ben was talking about the like the zero covid policy in china oh yes 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 mm -hmm. right where like zero covid policy seemed like a seemed like a while ago seemed like a really good idea right mm -hmm. like you know i don't know when this would when we would have thought this would be a good idea no, but Some people, I'm sure, do still think it's a good idea. But I think you can look to the way that China is enacting this system right now, being like, oh, I don't know about that. Right. <laughs> right? Like, forcibly locking down communities with no notice. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, and stuff like that. If he's like, I'm not sure this is a good <laughs> this way to do like this. Policy. Like, I think that there is an element of, like, it is around. Like, it, I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think it's possible to get rid of this. No, I, I don't think so. I either. don't think it's possible to do that. Like, I don't know what you can do. Like, I know people don't like it, and I don't like the phrase of like living with COVID, right? That like, but I don't know what else the global society does because like it is not possible to get rid of it. Like, yeah, you, yeah. You, 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 zero COVID policies don't, it they seem unrealistic in the same way Agreed. of like just saying, hey, we don't do testing, we don't do masks, we don't do nothing is unrealistic. Like, I think we're just going to have an adapted version of life, maybe like going forward. Like, I know it is for me. Like, I don't imagine, I can't imagine a future now where I don't use masks in certain situations. 
right. just because like it's all percentages, right? Like all illnesses mm-hmm. that you can catch, like all like airborne illnesses is percentages. Like and the better the better odds percentages you you give for yourself, you know, like the 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 more precautions you take, the less likely you are to get something. Yep. It's like I I've been thinking about like this idea of percentages for a while, right? Like getting your first dose of the vaccine, you you are increasing your percentage of like being able to resist it. The second is another percentage increase. Booster is another percentage increase, and then wearing your mask in certain situations, a more percentage increases, like of building your defenses. That's kind of how I think about it. But yep, anyway, agreed. it's just a brief aside to just be like, I'm just looking at this graph, right? Like of the UK COVID cases, and it's just like, it's all meaningless. <laughs> it's meaningless, <laughs> you know? Because like just these graphs don't tell you anything without all of the other pieces of information you need to actually build a proper like understanding of the situation. Yeah, so. yeah. I think... One of the things that we haven't seemed to have really learned from from all of this that I think we need to learn from it is how to understand, well, I guess how to collect, process, and understand the data generated by this pandemic. Because I think some countries, and the UK has done a very good job, but there certainly did, if not is, doing a very good job of, of processing and handling all this data. But America was terrible at it. it. And publishing it. it. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, America was terrible at it. And I just listened to... Shoot, I want to say it was a 99% invisible episode about how a group of like a small handful of Americans realized that they they didn't they they couldn't figure out how to get like any data from the the American government on you know what the state of the COVID world was in America. And they ended up like forming their own coalition to do it. I think it was no, it wasn't COVID Act now, it was the COVID project or something like that. I forget the name of it. But anyways, long and short of it is that they started, you know, putting this all together and then they come to find out that like Vice President Pence starts quoting numbers that are the rounded versions of their own numbers. And then they come to realize, oh my God, the American government is relying on us, this ragtag group of volunteers, to figure out the official, you know, the official COVID numbers that they're broadcasting to the rest of the country and the world. So like it's it's just been bad. It's been bad almost everywhere. And I think the UK was probably an exception. And I don't know that we as a society, as a people, have done a good job of processing, probably because we're still in the midst of it, some of us, <laughs> but I don't think we've done a good job of processing like, oh, this is the way we should have handled this. Well, but there's there's data you're never going to know. Also true. Right. And this isn't just America, everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah for yeah. example, from March 2020 all the way until September 2020, we didn't break 7,000 cases a day. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll tell you right now, that's when it was probably the worst. Right, 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 right. Maybe uh, the Omic- maybe the Omicron wave beat it, but nevertheless, right? No, like, I'm with you, I'm with you. It was real bad. Well, a lot worse than the, the data. The quote-unquote would... first wave doesn't appear mm-hmm. on any graphs. Right. Because we couldn't test for it. Yep. Right? So, like, there will always be data that we will never understand. Right? And, like, it's going to be... This is such an odd and strange thing. So I look forward to, like... Reading the stories with hindsight in the future, where they're like, such and such country did this. This was a terrible idea because of this. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, like one of the big ones, it will, I think, will, will remain of like, initially, governments wanting to safeguard PPE for healthcare was a good idea. But At the first, way that yeah. they, went around, when they went about it was bad, which was telling people please don't buy masks. 
Right, <laughs> exactly. But, and I understand what they were trying to do. Yeah, they yeah, wanted yeah. to try and safeguard PPE for the people who needed it most. Totally. But then you ended up saying, hey, you don't need these. And then, oh, no, you really do need these. Right. And it's like <laughs> that kind of like, it was, it, it was a, it were good intentions, poorly communicated. Right. Yep. And like, yeah. So true. I don't know. We can move on. But it's just, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that. And I, well, actually, by this time next month, I don't think I'll have news, but not the forthcoming episode, but the episode after. I'm hopeful that at that point, I will say to you, Michaela is imminently getting her first shot or perhaps, mm, perhaps, perhaps so. might have even just like the day before gotten her first shot. But we're putting a lot of hopes uh, in these next two episodes. Yeah, seriously, you're moving. Michaela's finally getting vaccinated. Yeah, surely, surely this is going to work. No problem whatsoever. It's all <laughs> going to be sorted by August. Yeah, that's right. August is when it's all good. Oh, God. A man can dream. This episode of Analog is brought to you by our friends at FitBud. Between balancing work, family, and everything else you've got going on in your life, it can be hard to make fitness a priority. What you need is a program that works with you, not against you. That's why you need FitBud. You want something that's perfectly tailored to you, your goals, and training ability. And FitBud has an algorithm in their wonderful app that does just this and will craft an exercise plan that is perfectly suited to you. It's unique to you. And their app also makes it incredibly easy to learn exercises. They have these wonderful HD video tutorials shot from multiple angles to make sure that you're learning every exercise. It's all a breeze and it's easy to come to. And that was really important to me. I've always been hesitant when it comes to exercise and fitness and am I doing this right? Am I going to injure myself? And FitBod really helped break everything down in a way that I could understand. But also something that's important to me is removing the idea of competition like comp- com- or comparing myself to other people. Because this, for me, isn't what fitness is about. It's what I've come to learn. And I think it will, may benefit you too if you were in a similar place to me. Because not having to stack up against somebody is really great. So you don't have to do that. It's not what this is about. You need something that will work for you and work with you. That's when it sticks. It's when you start to see the results that you're looking for and also makes you feel comfortable in the choices that you're making. So FitBod uses data to create and adjust your dynamic fitness plan. They also have instant access to this everywhere in their app. They also integrate with uh, your Apple Watch, your Wear OS smartwatch, and apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health as well. Everybody's fitness path is different. That's why FitBod does all this work to make sure they customize things to you. They make sure to learn from your workouts so your next will be even better, no matter how many times you're working out, whether it's twice a day or twice a week. They even track your muscle recovery as well to make sure your plan is balanced with a variety of exercises so you're not overworking anything. Personalized training of this quality can actually be really expensive, but FitBod is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. But you can get 25% off your membership by signing up at fitbod.me analog. Go now and check it out yourself and get your own customized fitness plan. Go to fitbod.me slash analog and you will get 25% off your membership. That's fitbod.me slash analog for 25% off. Our thanks to Fitbod for the support of this show and Relay FM. All right. So it is compulsory that we at least briefly talk F1. Yeah, and, baby. And we saw the Miami Grand Prix uh, just a few Yeehaw, days ago. Yeehaw, America. Something like that. Heck yeah. Um, now, this was, it was an okay race, in my personal opinion. The beginning was interesting. The end was interesting. The middle was kind of not. Um, but all in all, it was, there were some interesting things I took away from it. I must confess, I have not yet heard backmarkers. Um, I, it is my tradition to listen to that on Mondays. I did not have time this week, and I have not, not had time yet. But 
Uh, I know. I'm sorry. I failed you. I failed me. I failed the show. Um, but I did think that there were some interesting bits, and I'm curious to hear your two cents. Uh, first of all, Mercedes look good. You must have been real happy. Mercedes look better. Uh, I thought they looked good. I didn't. I wouldn't say they look great, no, but I thought they, they looked good. <laughs> all right, they fine, were better. Fine. They were better. It's it's too soon to say good because look, they look great during practice, but then it mm. all fell off again. Like they were fastest. George was fastest in mm-hmm. two practice sessions, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, things are getting better in the Mercedes camp, but yeah. I'm losing faith uh, in in them winning the championship. <laughs> I was trying to hold on to it for a few races, you know, because it could have changed. If by race four, they start winning again, you know, unlikely, but you never know, uh, things could have been different. But now, now I'm not so sure. I'm just hoping for a, a great result for something in the team, you know, like maybe hopefully George has a really good season, finishes pretty high up in the table, could could just hold on to where he is now and he will, and that'd be fantastic. You know, and actually let's pull on that thread just a moment. I think that George has looked phenomenal given that he's driving what apparently is a crap box of a car. Well, I have like, a very good, my th- I think I have a very good theory about this. And remind me of this theory. I feel like I've heard this before. George Russell is used to driving less oh, than yes, good cars. Yes, yes you're so, right. Like, yes, yes, yes. Can handle this pressure and is more attuned to things being odd and weird. I will also say he has had a strike of luck in a couple of races for, for yeah. strategy, right? Like mm-hmm. strategy is, it's like part luck, part knowledge. Planning. Yeah. Right? And planning. Like, you know, th- I thought that they had a very good strategy on putting him on the hards and banking on a safety car because it seemed like it, there was going to be one. And there was one, but there might not have been one. And then it might not have worked out so well for him, right? So, it, sure. it's, you know, it's, it is a mixture of both. And I think Lewis, not used to this. <laughs> no. Right? And so that, you know, like people were like, oh, this is proving Lewis is terrible because George is better than him. And it's like, I don't, I think people are, uh, they're looking at one thing and drawing correlation from it, right? Like Lewis Hamilton has been very used to driving a really good car for a long time. And so I have no doubt that his confidence is being shaken by a car that is not doing what he is expecting it to do. Right. And so I feel like that's going to make a difference to the two of them. I think that the race this weekend shows that Lewis was like Lewis, you know, would have beat George if it wasn't for the safety car. Mm. The strategy helped him out, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is why, like, I know people are like, oh, Lewis doesn't stop whining when he's like, yes, that's really me. Screwing I'm the one strategy, of those people, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, what I'll say on that is when he, that that message, I both agree of it and roll my eyes at it. Right, like <laughs> I roll my eyes at it because it's like Lewis, you understand what happened here. You were on different strategies, right? But the other thing is, he is true, is correct. Like the strategies did screw him. They could have put Lewis on a hard tire as well, right? And he would have maybe been able to have a, a, a like he would have been able to have a better result out of it. You know what I mean? So it's like. I understand what he's saying, but at the same time, I'm like, come on, Lewis, you understand. But there is a thing where I don't understand why this bothers people so much. What, like, he can't be frustrated? Like, can you imagine if if everything you ever complained about was broadcast? What people would think about you? Have you not listened to this very episode? 
Yeah, and I'm sure people were like, Jesus, that Casey List, my God, he won't stop You're complaining. Probably right. You're probably right. You know what I mean? I, I find it such a frustrating thing. Yeah, no, I can understand that. I think the thing that I find distasteful about Lewis complaining is that he this is not his first rodeo. And if he has problems about strategy, then bring it up once you get out of the car and off the radio. Oh, but you think he doesn't? But but don't do it on the radio because then idiots like no, me hear it and no, then I get all no. annoyed and grumpy. I about think it. it is ridiculous to to say that he can never complain. Um, like, because if when in any interview he'll always talk about it. like he is having a conversation with his engineers in the heat of the moment. You can keep your mouth shut. Good luck trying to do that. If you have just if you are very frustrated about something, like. And also as well, you know that F1, like or the FAA, they do this for everyone. They're picking the best part. There could have been That's stuff true. before and after that statement, right? Like yeah. you can go and listen to it. Maybe it's different when you listen to the whole thing. I don't know. But like I just think it's wild to for people to say, like, oh, Lewis, he he's actually a real bad person because he complains sometimes. Well, no, I don't think it's a You've bad person. You've got to take the whole person, right? Yeah, no, I agree with that. He is the same person who afterwards will say, like, you know, this is really hard, but like, thanks to everyone at this factory, I know how hard they're working, right? Like, you can't, you can't just be like, oh, he's whiny and a complainer because of this one thing he says, and then just be like, oh, we just ignore that part because it's just PR, like, but whatever. Like, he chooses to say these things. Yeah. Yeah, it annoys me. I, it, I found it distasteful when Max was doing it too, and especially last year. I feel like there was a lot of whining from Max, and certainly mm. this is why I dislike Christian Horner so much. Is because all he does is complain and moan about everyone. Uh, it actually frustrates me more now because Max says all the right things too. Because I'm like, oh darn it, I can't right, complain exactly. Because I feel like Max has has grown up a little bit. And... Yes, yeah, so, so I mean, it annoys me because I can't complain as much because I'm choosing right. to take the whole person. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Anyway, but moving along, uh, can you explain to me, no, no sarcasm, what happened with Mick and Seb? Like, whose fault was that? Because it seemed to me like Mick was perfectly fine where he was, and, and Vettel just drove right into him. Uh, I think that was Mick's, I think that was Mick's fault. So that's what I was going to say. I, I have a feeling I'm not appropriately understanding that it was Vettel's turn know. to make. A lot of these things are conjecture. Like, I was saying that I thought that Pierre... It was Pierre's fault for driving into Lando, and I had, we've had people contact me after the backmarkers saying that uh, it wasn't Pierre's fault. So, like, I don't know. This is all what you can see in the moment, right? Like, who yeah, actually knows yeah. the answer to these things unless somebody actually owns up for it and says that was my fault. But to me, that looked like Mick was trying to take a line that, that wasn't there for him. Well, it's so I'm not trying to say you're wrong. I am not trying to say you're wrong. But my impression was... Mick was trying to cut the corner inside and and Sebastian Vettel just like dove from the way left hand side of the track straight into the right hand side of the track. And hey, guess what? Mick was right there in the middle of him in a place that I don't think Seb would have seen. Like, I understand that. But nevertheless, I'm watching a it, clip of it now. So let me see if I can give you my thoughts on it. As <laughs> Real time follow up. Um, I'm watching them on the F1 website and they're, they're going down the, the straight now and they're taking a corner. I would say that was mm, as complicated. Uh, no, See, I would say that right? that's Mick because Vettel is in front of Mick, so he has the racing line. He's significantly uh, okay, in okay. front of him. Okay, so that's Mick fair. should have backed out. Is my understanding of how that, that kind of thing should? I work. still think that's weird, but I understand that that's not your decision. That's you know the FIA's rules, or whatever. No, but, but it's kind of what's agreed upon. Like if somebody is in front of you, they're in front of you already, right? <laughs> well, you've lost to them. They're in front of you. You can't yeah. just drive where their car is because they can't see you. You can see them. 
Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, anyways, uh, I did think Mick was doing really well until that, though, and I was I was excited for him. Uh, Alex Albon really coming into his own this year, I think. Finally, it only Love took it, man. The, I, I do too. I do too. I I really liked Albon after he was heavily featured in like season two of Drive to Survive, and I think that was right before he it was the season it was right before the season where he ended up dropping out of f1 and then took the season off and then now he's back um anyways i always thought alex was really really humble really kind person from what i could tell and i'm loving seeing him come into his own and he doesn't seem to take himself too seriously which i really really appreciate and like um and so i'm I'm loving seeing that uh mclaren mclaren looks like crap <laughs> early looked like crap this past They're up week and I down thought. right like yeah, they, it's they, very had a, weird. they had a very good show in Australia, and everyone was like, "Oh, what's McLaren doing?" And now, yeah. bad, just a bad week. I mean, it's really complicated right now to try and pin down a lot of these cars, right? Yeah, like yeah. don't forget, uh, Red Bull barely finished any races in the aggregate yeah. so far, right? That's true. Like they seem to have gotten a handle on things now, which is why I actually think Verstappen's going to win the season. I think mm. I think Max is going to win the constructors. I I don't know. I think I think that Ferrari still has a decent chance and and Leclerc has a decent chance, but they it's do, looking if they can find they need to find a little bit more speed. I think which you're right they about can that. in theory do, right? There's always uh improvements coming to the car. Right. And I would say that overall, clearly Ferrari have had the better car overall. But now that Red Bulls seem to have gotten their handle on their reliability issues, they have a faster car. Yeah, I think that's fair. Right? Like, you can see it. Like, you can see what happens when they're on those long straights, right? Like, Max mm-hmm. can get him. Oh, it yeah. isn't always the same for, for Charles. He cannot get always get Max on these straights. Yep. Yeah, we saw that this this past race, too. It was very... It was actually... A, this, this, this race particularly was actually a very good example of that. Because yep. there was yep. those two long straights. It was that long straight with the DRS and then that smaller straight with the DRS. I think it actually really helped show... Maybe what for some reason what other races haven't. I'm not entirely sure why. Because it, it didn't yeah. seem as clear to me in previous races. Because there have been races where Max was behind uh, Charles and couldn't pass him, right? Mm-hmm. But it seems now that like for whatever reason, uh, at least Max's Red Bull had that straight line speed, and yeah. that's that is something that Ferrari can't really easily defend against because there's only so much you can do, right? Like if yeah, they are yeah. a little bit faster than you, that's enough to overtake you. And then catching them, you've got he's got to make a mistake, and you can't. I mean, honestly, especially with Max Verstappen, you cannot bank on that. No, certainly he's not. He's a very, very good driver. Yeah. All right, the season's been fun so far this it's year. Been great. It's been great. I'm loving it. Like yeah, I'm loving the weirdness of it, you know. And yep. and even yep. though my boys aren't up top, I'm enjoying watching them. Like I'm really enjoying watching George. Also, I'm happy because now everyone that says, "Oh, you only like Mercedes because they win," now I can say, "Like, see, I stuck by them <laughs> persistently and openly throughout the 2022 season." You know, well put. All right, if we have time, I would like to do recommendations. We haven't had time to do this in several months now, but uh, I would like to blow through a few. Give me one from your. From your list here. Uh, or I'm going to cheat by giving you one that has sub bullets. So yeah, I'm going right. to bring up uh, NPR's Tiny Desk, which they've you have, been doing. You've recommended this like 17 times. Uh, it's so good. And I have new ones to recommend. Um, right. they're, they're they're so good. And, and this is performances that used to be in the NPR offices behind somebody's desk. But now, obviously, they're not. They're done at home or at studios or what have you. 
Um, but I will very quickly blow through a handful that I think are very good and worth you checking out. Uh, Haley Williams from Paramore. She did her own um, Tiny Desk with her own material. Uh, Dua Lipa, who I think is under some amount of uh, scrutiny for potentially stealing a song, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, a band that I don't think you've ever heard of, Mike, called Alt-J. Don't know them. Uh, yeah, you don't know anything about them. Uh, they did two of them. The first one I thought was okay, but the second one was very good, I thought. Uh, Camilla or Camilla Cabello, I'm not sure what the pr- correct pronunciation of any of those words are. I apologize. Uh, hers was excellent. I keep coming back to it. I think it's very, very good. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, Brian, actually uh podcast mentor, mentee, Brian Guffey, uh, they recommended uh, Yeba as another tiny desk. And that one, that one is absolutely phenomenal. Um, so I definitely recommend that if you haven't looked at tiny desk, I actually have a reminder in, in the do app, D U E app every like month or so to go cruising through the most, you know, the last batch of tiny desks. Isn't there like a way there. you can subscribe to these? Yes, but I don't believe in RSS anymore. Ah, I mean, I, well, I, I believe in it. Don't get me wrong. Like I have no problem with RSS. I just don't personally use an RSS reader. So anyways, how uh, do you, get, how do you, Twitter, what if it, if it's important, it comes through on Twitter. I, you can you can lecture me about this next month. Put it in the list. Eh. Um, but anyway, so I, I think those are all great. Uh, Mike, you have a long list here. Can you yeah. either make it quick or pick nope. just a couple? I'm going to pick one. Okay, perfect. Uh, we crashed on Apple TV really? Plus. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you singing these praises, and yeah. I don't know. I, I'm I'm re- digging my heels in a little bit, reluctant. But is it really I good? I like it. I really liked it a lot. It's a good story. Um, it's the story of we work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really recommend it. I think Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway do a really good job in this show, um, and I enjoyed it quite a lot. Um, yeah. It's. I've realized. I said this on on Upgrade. I've realized that I personally seem to enjoy the subculture of businesses going out of business. <laughs> I don't know why uh, I like it, but I just like it. Um, this is. It's a really good story, and I think is. I don't know. Like I, I don't want to give too much away of it if you don't know a lot of the story. But I don't know I, much of it, no. I think that whilst Adam Newman clearly a very flawed individual, I think that this show does a somewhat decent job of showing the more of the whole person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like whilst clearly had a lot of problems and did a lot of things that were very questionable, I think you can kind of see that like he had some element of wanting to do something good, even mm-hmm. if he was kind of blinded. So I think it's really good. I think it's a really good snapshot. And I and I actually genuinely appreciate it in this show that they don't just try and vilify him. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is I would actually also recommend Bad Blood, which is the Hulu show um, about... Theranos. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And what I will say about that is I also really liked... Is it The Dropout? Yeah, sorry, it's The Dropout. The Dropout. Bad Blood is the Apple movie that they're making about the same thing. Oh, okay, okay. So Apple TV is making a movie called Bad Blood, which is being written by Adam McKay and will star Jennifer Lawrence. Ah, interesting. Yeah. It's complicated. Hilariously, I think one was a podcast, one was a book. <laughs> um, but Dropout I really liked because it was just really interesting there was a lot of the Theranos story that I didn't know but like it was interesting to me because it was like around um, what like a lot of things that I was aware of at the time kind of like mm-hmm. through technology but 
I would say that, and I don't know how accurate it is, but I think that this this story definitely makes Elizabeth Holmes seem like much more of a villain than Adam Newman is. But I would argue that that is probably accurate. Yeah, no, I would say it's accurate because like the only people that really lost out to Adam Newman were just other rich people. (laughs) <laughs> from their investments, right? Sure. And maybe employees, right? Like I understand that like employees lost out in their stock options and stuff. But with Theranos, there were people that did not get their medical results mm. for mm-hmm. illnesses that they had or didn't have, right? Like right, and right. it was a it was much more of a frauding of the public than business. So mm-hmm. I would say that like they're also really good. And I think it tries to show a little bit about her as a person, but I actually think that it seems that Elizabeth Holmes is a much more complicated figure to try and understand um, than Adam Newman is. So really good shows, both of them. Um, I watched, We watched them back to back. Recommended. That's, that sounds somewhat depressing, but... No, you know. I love it. Mm. I love it. Because right. you know what, Casey? I don't have a company like this, so no problem. All I got to do is just not try and fraud people, and I'll be okay. Oh, that's the secret. Shoot, I messed up. <laughs> Missing out on that one. Whoopsies. Whoopsie-dopsies. Ay, ay, ay.